Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March 8th. In the year of our Lord, 2023, this is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, we use the checks and balances defined in the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, the United States of America as our guide. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. I got a little bit of a recap before we kick off the show today. I didn't get to it yesterday because we had Bridie on TV simulcast with Liberty Roundtable Live. Uh, but, man, have we got some stuff that I've just got to make sure that you have had the chance to hear. On Monday, I was with Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com, and we talked about shame. That's right. We talked about the anniversary or whatever you want to call it, the shame of Dred Scott versus Sanford, 1857. What a scandalous reality. If you haven't dug into that, you got to go listen to that broadcast. We also talked about the annual commemoration of the 1836 Battle of the Alamo. Yeah, incredible there, folks. Good, honest Americans standing up against all odds, shall I say. We also talked to our guest, Marjorie Wildcraft. She's the founder and CEO of the Grow Network, the largest online community of homesteaders. TheGrowNetwork.com. She's made it her life's mission to teach people how to grow incredible food, folks. It doesn't matter if you're old. doesn't matter if you have a lot of land. There's ways to get it done. We're talking about a grid-down situation even if you have no experience, folks. BackyardFoodProduction.com is another one of her sites. How much land does it take? What are the best bug-out locations and more? We talked about her free webinar and then her training for 200 bucks, you can check all that out. We have the opportunity to save the lives of our communities, folks. Famine is no joke. It is real, and at some point it will come. Don't know when. I don't play games with timing because whenever you do that, you get snookered. But I'm telling you right now, it's coming. We also talked about the, um, the Elliott family. Or I'm sorry, the Gillespie's family. They purchased a... 130-acre farm. It's called Living Farm. Thelivingfarm.org to learn more. And the reason I mention this is because they have a greenhouse that's incredible. And they talk about the greenhouse workshop, which is incredible, too. For anybody in the north climates where it gets cold, you got to work on that. Second, let's see. Then we talked to Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org. And we talked about the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the ATF, has no business maintaining these records in a, quote, digital searchable database that could eventually be weaponized. I say that it's already happening. Weaponized against gun owners. Folks, you have got to push and shut that criminal enterprise down, okay? Um, we talked about the North Nord Stream pipelines being blown up. Seymour Hearst wrote an incredible article about it. Check that out. We talked about the anti-war movement roars back to life, Ron Paul. We talked about secession is inevitable. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when, Ryan McMakin writes. 
Yeah, one of the blessings of this country was federalism. That's the idea that each state was independent and sovereign. Nationalism, folks, is not federalism. That's a one-size-fits-all, top-down, thugocracy rule plan. Nationalism, by the way, is con- coercing 330 million Americans to do or not to do something. It's criminal, folks. It's against our founders' intent for the country and against the rule of law and against God's ordained law as well. That was Monday's show. Tuesday, Sam takes on Jason Wilson Sr., investigative reporter for the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah, turns out Thomas Webb Jurgens, lawyer for the Southern Poverty Law Center, arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. That's right. It broke out in Atlanta on Sunday. They were protesting this uh, facility to train cops in Atlanta. They started out as a, you know, a, a protest, but it went all wrong when these thugs all dressed up in black and literally started uh, burning police cars, destroying equipment, literally attacking the cops with Molotov cocktails and other incendiary devices. It was March 5th, Sunday night, while you and I are going to church and celebrating with our families, these thugs are out rioting and raising hell. Yeah, a group of violent agitators took advantage of the peaceful protest. Among them was this thug from the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Atlanta Police Department documented that all of them were out of state except for two of them, one of them being the SPLC attorney. Yeah, the SPLC attorney was arrested, got his mug shot and the whole bit. The SPLC has lots of money, folks. They say their endowment is or $731 million. Tucker even says, Tucker Carlson says, the Southern Poverty Law Center is a terrorist group. So do 20-plus attorney state generals. And then they say the Georgia Bureau of Investigation and the FBI are going to investigate this. But, folks, that's a sham, too. They're not going to do any such thing. The FBI has historically been using and in bed with the Southern Poverty Law Center from the beginning, folks. Either way, the Southern Poverty Law Center are getting brutalized so much in the comments on their own website. Believe it or not, they now shut off comments. That's right. We talked about that with Sheriff Mack on Bridie on TV. Uh, as you all know, I'm the CEO of CSPOA. Uh, and so Richard Mack and I have been relentlessly attacked by these goons. Uh, then Richard was with me second hour on radio, and we talked about the Southern Poverty Law Center says that this attorney was just an observer representing the National Lawyers Guild. Sounds official, folks, but it's not. It's just a bunch of left-wing lackeys who provide legal assistance for Antifa and everybody else with their big purse. Keep in mind, folks, they lie about me. The Secret Service vetted me when I went to the Republican National Convention. The FBI has vetted me many times because I've had financial fiduciary licenses, and so they take your thumbprints and fingerprints and everything else. They know that I'm not a a problem, but the Southern Poverty Law Center continues to lie. But it's interesting, they attacked me, and a week later, their attorney caught up in terrorism charges. Yeah, Tucker Carlson claims January 6th footage demolishes claims of insurrection. Uh, It turns out that these uh, Capitol Police were escorting all these people around the Capitol, unlocking doors for them, and a whole lot more in the videos. Okay? On one hand, it sounds good. Tucker saying, oh, they lied and we caught them. The mainstream press trying to attack Tucker, saying, oh, how dare you, Tucker, uh, to paint this dishonest narrative. But, folks, I've got news for you about Tucker Carlson. I don't believe 
in any way that Tucker Carlson's telling you the truth. Now, he's bringing out just enough to make you incensed, but never enough for criminal action and arrest of these thugs. Okay? Look, it was a PSYOP conducted by military personnel in bed with who knows who. Ray Epps, one of the leaders, he runs free, while Stuart Rhodes and others are in jail. It's a criminal enterprise from the get-go. Tucker Carlson is their media goon on the front lines to pretend he's getting out the truth. And he is, a little bit. He's got to tell you enough truth to make you buy the lie. But let me just give you the example. The Daily Caller, which is Tucker Carlson's, he's the founder, one of the founders of this organization. Now he sits on the board. But listen to the reporting from his own organization, and then we'll talk about this really quick before we get to the discussion of the day. Tucker Carlson says that footage of the Capitol riot demolishes claims by Democrats that an insurrection occurred. All right? That's fine. We agree. But listen, he says this. Our producers had unfettered access to the Capitol surveillance video. Yeah, neither the speakers uh, or Speaker of the House nor the bosses at Fox News in any way interfered with our investigation. Really? The Speaker didn't interfere? Well, then how come the Speaker only gave Tucker the 41,000 hours? And why is Tucker relying on his producers to give him the information? See, our producers had unfettered access, he says. Well, if that's true, Tucker, why don't you upload it to a server? And why don't you let all of us download it, Tucker? Because you don't have unfettered access, and I'll prove it to you. The rest of the story of the Daily Caller makes these following points. Are you ready? The 40 or so thousand hours of tape. Most of it turned out to be irrelevant, says Tucker. Static shots of empty rooms far away from the Capitol itself. That's his statement now. But then he says this. To find relevant videotape, our producers were given the use of Capitol Police computers with advanced mapping software that made it easy to find what we were looking for. And then he wraps up by saying this. Before airing any of this video, we checked first with the Capitol Police, and we are happy to say their reservations were minor. And for the most part, they were reasonable. And then he says they wanted us to obscure a door in the Capitol building, and that's really about all. Now, folks, I don't know how stupid you are. Either Tucker Carlson is the dumbest one in the room, or Tucker Carlson thinks you're the dumbest one in the room. I kid you not. Okay, think about that, folks. Tucker says most of the video is just irrelevant stuff. Well, there's no way he looked through all 40,000 hours. There's no way even his producers or his team did that. But they say we're using capital police computers. Well, I would never use their computers to analyze my data, folks. I'll tell you that right now. Secondly, they've got high-tech mapping software to help Tucker find what he's looking for? Are you kidding me? We're going to trust the Capitol cops, the FBI, whoever's controlling these machines, to go ahead and help him find what he's looking for? 
How stupid is this guy? Until you give me all the hours of video that I can analyze on my own machine, in my own environment, in my own world, and let me write the algorithms of how to dig, or let me find a way to watch all the hours, or let me use an algorithm to find empty static, empty room video and delete that from the videos so that I can narrow down the search. Unless you let me or anybody do that, you are lying through your teeth, you thug straight from the pit of hell. You're so freaking dishonest, it's not even funny. The government, Capitol Police computers are the only way you get to look at this stuff. And then only with their algorithm, their quote, what do they call this thing? Their high-tech mapping software that helps Tucker find what he's looking for? Has he lost his mind? Or is he really that stupid? Listen, the use of capital computers with, listen, advanced mapping software. Maybe that's to make sure you only find what they want you to find, Tucker. Have you thought about that? Are you really that stupid? I don't mean to be rude here, and I know I'm supposed to be civil. But this is just so over the top. I don't even think you could be polite about it anymore. This is just a sham from the get-go, and Tucker's as guilty as the rest. Why? Because what he should be doing is say, hey, if you give me unfettered access to this thing, then I can release all of it. No, Tucker's not doing that. He then pretends his producers, man, they're just crack, study, good, honest. Oh, yeah, they're hanging out with the Capitol Police and whoever's got control of those computers, and they're using the government mining software to make sure they've got it all. And Folks, this is just... I, I just, I don't even know how to, anyway. All right, Lance Miliacho with me, ladies and gentlemen. You know him from the BigMig.com syndicated radio and TV show. Uh, the tip of the spear, if liberty means anything, it means the right to tell people what they don't want to hear. Nobody wants to hear me say this, but it's the truth, Lance. Sam, first off, thanks so very much for having us back on. I'm happy you can tolerate us as well as you do. Appreciate it. And uh, wow. I mean, it's it's obvious that what Mitch McConnell promised when he made those concessions, when he had the problem to be voted in as speaker and he sat there negotiating, he said he was going to release all 41,000 yeah, Kevin McCarthy, though. Kevin McCarthy, I'm sorry, yeah, Kevin McCarthy, yes, I apologize. Sir. Yeah, and what's really frightening about that is that he promised to release it to everybody. Now, here we get with this restri restrictive release uh, right away saying they were only going to give it to Tucker Carlson, and then they said that he was only allowed to look at it on site. Now we know about the mapping software, which is also restrictive, and we have no idea. I'm sure there's a way to go into that mapping software and just check boxes for which videos you don't want to be searchable. So I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's ridiculous. The American people deserve better. It's one big lie. McCarthy yeah, hasn't provided. Yet, rather than checking boxes of what you don't want to see, I'm just going to basically have a back-end list of what videos I'm allowing you to see. And that even exactly. means more because the rest is absolutely off the table because the software, in theory, doesn't even know about it. Okay? Listen, we did a show. Living, folks. Well, we did a show over on Pete Santilli's show, and – Pete's done a great job. You know, they were using uh, geofencing, uh, facial recognition, all sorts of things on the crowds. And he's got where they were communicating using, uh, they were popping smoke. And in military, obviously, you pop smoke for signaling when you, when you know you can't use comms completely. The point of the matter is, it's obvious that it was a Fed's erection. 
that the federal agents from multiple different agencies were were infiltrated throughout the crowds, and they were the ones causing any sort of uh, violence or insurrection. We've seen, at least from the videos that Tucker provided and other videos have been released from people's cell phones, that in fact, these people were walking through quietly. They were staying inside of the ropes. They were being guided around by law enforcement, the Capitol Police, who I don't trust at all. Uh, you know, I think the whole thing was orchestrated, and this is my comment, and, you, and then I'm going to go back to you, is that Nancy Pelosi, I think she was responsible for the entire Fed surrection. I think she organized it, plotted it, planned it, and turned it into exactly what she wanted, which was fear-mongering so that peaceful protesting across the United States, people are afraid. They don't want to be put in jail. You know, fathers, daughters, grandmothers, grandfathers, you know, you look at who they're holding, you know, that, that those poor J6 defendants that, in my opinion, their speedy trial rights have been violated. They've been held unlawfully where they should have been given bond because many of them have no priors and some of them are being held on trespassing charges. It's absolutely criminal. And that's my take on it. I don't trust any of it. I don't trust what they're doing. I want the videos released to the American public, to everyone, so everyone can do their own research. Roger that in their own environments, not manipulated and pervert. It's, it, folks, it's beyond imagination. George Ballantine, producer and co-host of TheBigMig.com. Welcome your thoughts, sir. Thank you, Sam, and thank you for having us on the show. Survived, um, we survived the last one. Um, so let me start with Tucker, I'm going to say. So I go like this. I said this out this morning on a tweet. He who controls the money controls the information. So who's controlling it? You know. Is Tucker being controlled? I think so, yes, but I don't trust Tucker because if you've seen, um, and you see how the left, even the right, are using a text message he had with one of his, um, I don't know, his producers, how he's, in 2021, he was talking about Trump, like, he hates him passionately, and it was just not a good look, but they're trying to use that against us, and I can care less whether he likes Trump or not, I care what he, if he puts out the news and, and if it's real. So he's giving us little feelers on the footage and not really giving us what we should rightfully have. So if you look at, when you have bipartisan actually agreeing, you know something's wrong. Because if you looked at Chuck, uh, Chucky Schumer and Mitch McConnell, both, both agreeing about Tucker Carlson, right then and there, those, those two are, you know, well, and what, what they're doing, as far so. as I can tell, George, is they are basically trying to make Tucker the deep state controlled conservative line. Hey, Tucker's gone too far. Now they know the line. The mark has been set. Whatever Tucker says is the furthest we're going to go. Anything else is whacked out. Right wing extremist conspiracy theory and everything's going to move left and kind of uh, eventually go away from there. It riles 100%. everybody up. But yet, hey, they're not going to do anything else it, folks it is a sham but you know what let's get john thaler esquire of the harris thaler law corp he's attorney and investigation expert with us welcome john and your thoughts on this thing well thank you so much for having me i appreciate it uh well let me say this you know as somebody who deals with large volumes of information you know box loads of files box loads of records box loads of video Etc. Um, I'm just going to say it this way. I agree with a lot of things that you're saying, but for me, I was just much more disappointed in the presentation. It seemed to me that there were two different presentations being made. One was about the insurrection and whether there was an insurrection and who led it and who was in charge. The other part was to follow around a number of the narratives and try to debunk narratives that had come out. 
I think in terms of debunking some of the narratives, uh, you know, the shaman story, uh, the Epps story, uh, you know, stuff like that, I thought he, that was fine. I thought he did a good job. You can see the tapes, et cetera. But you're absolutely right. You know, 41,000 hours of footage, probably of which most of which probably isn't all that relevant and, and probably doesn't make any sense. But 41,000, you know, pages of footage uh, or, or video footage, uh, it just it really should have been provided to everybody. It has to be provided to everybody. News media will make of it what they will. But you've got to make this stuff available to people. They've got to be able to see it, and they've got to be able to make up their own minds. I don't need Tucker Carlson or anyone else giving me a narrative walkthrough, you know, of those of those footages, you know, that footage of tape. I can see it for myself and figure it out. The problem with all this, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're not getting. Okay. Yes, Tucker's pretty bold in the things that he's willing to tell you, and I agree with Johnny's. You know, a lot of that's pretty good. It's what you're not being told, the pop smoke discussions. Uh, but here's what's fascinating to me. The Epic Times had most of the footage that Tucker and most of the facts that Tucker put out months and months and months ago in their counter video and narrative to the government um, hearings on this topic. Uh, the, we really don't have a whole lot new, at least from Tucker, compared to the Epic Times. Um, the only new stuff we have are when investigators like Pete Centilli and others dig and get facts on the table that we didn't have before. But Tucker's not even revealing a whole lot, John. No, I, and, that's, and that's the problem. I, I was extraordinarily disappointed. For something that was hyped so much, I was expecting not only a full hour each night on it, but a whole lot more videotape. I want to see the, the parts where there were violence, because there were parts that were violent. I want to see the parts that were not violent, because there were parts that were not violent. So to see what was really about five, ten minutes worth of footage altogether and then run in a loop over and over and over again as if I didn't see it the first five times um, was an extremely disappointing show. And it really didn't didn't meet the hype. And, and you know, the only way to do this, is, as I can tell, is to do kind of a special and maybe a two or three hour one where you show different part, parts of the tape and then you make it available. If the tapes are not going to be made available, then that was a totally worthless exercise. And when we say made available, ladies and gentlemen, not in a manipulated way that McCarthy pretends. He's a deep stater. He wanted you to believe he was going to release it because that's what it took, a promise to become a speaker. But he snookered everybody. And the fact that Carlson doesn't call him out to account on that is what um, shocks me, frightens me the most. Look, you've got to say, Kevin, you promised to release this. That doesn't mean to one news guy that's, quote, Republican, blaming the Democrats and partisan. That doesn't mean to one network that's proven to be uh, our enemy. Okay, they came out saying, hey, we believe in vote fraud, election fraud. Then behind the scenes, all the hosts are saying this is totally bogus and debunked. And now all that's coming out in court. Look, Fox is not to be trusted. They never have been. Okay, and Tucker Carlson, you know what? You've done better than most in the media. But again, you're staking out the far right position as far as they'll allow you to go for your big paycheck. All right, but the fact is, we need all this information released, not viewable on government-controlled computers with mapping software, making sure you see what's okay and not what's not, etc. Okay, this is just too much, ladies and gentlemen. Lance, why don't you finish up your thoughts, take us into the break, then we'll come back and announce our next incredible guest. You know, uh, Sam, two words, exculpatory evidence. Those people that are being held have a right to have all that video released because it's part of their defense. 
the, the defendants are sitting in there and they're not being provided all the tools and all the evidence that they're using against them. So this exculpatory evidence is being hidden and they have a right to it. They have a right to defend themselves. They've got a God-given right to defend themselves, let alone a legal right. So at the end of the day, I think we've been shammed across the board. I think uh, McCarthy has to release that video now because that's the only answer to this and those people in uh, detention need it. And one of the biggest reasons we got to release it all, folks, is because experts can tell us whether the videos that we're even seeing, the limited amount we see that John points out, experts can tell us if they've been edited and tampered with or not. That's the biggest key to the exercise, ladies and gentlemen. Back in seconds, incredible show coming up. Hang tight. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Prime. The State Department has announced spokesman Ned Price is leaving his job as the mouthpiece for foreign policy. Price will take a job working directly with Secretary of State Anthony Blinken later this month. Deputy Vedant Patel will take over until a successor is named. Fatalities have been reported after two planes collide over Florida. Four people are dead after two small planes collided mid-air over central Florida. The collision was reported Tuesday afternoon over Lake Hartridge near Winter Haven. Laura Heard was near the crash site when it happened. There's no words of something like that, a freak accident to happen. The Polk County Sheriff's Office said during a news conference that one plane was found 21 feet below the surface of the lake and the other was just partly submerged. The cause of the collision is unknown so far. Recovery efforts and the investigation continue this morning. I'm Skip Kelly. American women are making a comeback to the workforce that is helping propel the economy in the face of high inflation and rising interest rates. Women have gained more jobs than men for four straight months now, including in January's hiring push, allowing them to hold more than 49.8% of non-farm jobs. Female workers last edged higher than men on U.S. payrolls. That happened in late 2019 before the pandemic. A House subcommittee will probe the COVID-19 pandemic and is holding its first hearing today amid renewed scrutiny of the pandemic's origins. Today's hearing will feature testimony from Robert Redfield, director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention under former President Trump, Jamie Metzl, a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, and Nicholas Wade, a former editor for Science Magazine. Four games in the XFL Football League this weekend. There will be two on Saturday and two on Sunday. Games will air on FX and ESPN2. NASCAR racing is in Phoenix, Arizona this weekend. USA News. My heart was racing just making spaghetti. I could have waited to tell my doctor, but I didn't wait. I was short of breath just reading a book. I could have delayed telling my doctor, but I didn't wait. They told their doctors and found out they have atrial fibrillation, a condition which makes it about five times more likely to have a stroke. If you have one or more of these symptoms, irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, this is no time to wait. Contact your doctor. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. 
The NTSB is launching a special investigation into the Norfolk Southern following a series of trained incidents in Ohio. The NTSB says it plans to look at the rail company's safety practices and culture. In addition to last month's derailment in East Palestine and Saturday's derailment in Springfield, a Norfolk Southern train crashed into a dump truck in Cleveland Tuesday morning, killing the train conductor. The NTSB saying a wheel bearing appeared to overheat shortly before the East Palestine derailment. Despite Tucker Carlson, ladies and gentlemen, the Jan 6 Fed surrection is well underway. You don't believe me? Well, why are all these Jan 6 folks in prison? And why do they have all the uh, prosecutions in the court cases convicting these people before we even let Tucker show the footage, much less see the footage? While at the same time, the Southern Poverty Law Center thug, Thomas Webb Jurgens, uh, look, he was caught with the protesters in violent terrorist activity. Well, now he's already posted a $5,000 bond, and he's been released. Nobody else got a bond. Everybody else stuck. But, of course, this Southern Party Law Center thug gets 5000 bucks, and he's out. Uh, they say they can't let anybody else go because of the magnitude of the coordination of this across multiple states. Uh, it's dangerous to let anybody else go. But Thomas gets special privilege. They release him for five measly thousand Dollars. They want you to believe that he was there as just a peaceful observer and all that kind of stuff. But without digging into, hey, he and one other person were the only two from the state of Georgia. That alone makes you believe he was involved in more of the coordination. But how do the J6 folks uh, just get behind bars forever? And now this guy literally gets out the next or a couple of days later uh, for 5000 bucks. They wanted to let him out for free. And then the judges, no, we got to charge 5000 bucks. Again, they stake out the extreme. Oh, my gosh, let them go free. That's one side. No, 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 we got to have a penalty, 5000 bucks, as if that, that's something of significance that even matters. I mean, it is just insane. Uh, Lance, there you go, buddy. I mean, honestly, $5,000 and, and, and the charge currently that we're aware of is domestic terrorism, which is, you know, at a minimum state and federal. So I just don't understand it. And that's the, the, the rule of law is broken, you know, laws for thee and not for me. He's part of the inner circle. The deep state uses them to attack people like they do with you, Sam and others. You know, it's clear this is preferential treatment. It shouldn't be allowed. Uh, there are people that just walk through the Capitol that have been not provided bond after all this time uh, for J6. So, I, you know, how do, how do we get to a fair legal system? To me, the DOJ and many of the alphabet agencies need to be wiped out. I don't know if it's fixable. Clearly, when you see signals like this, when they're giving this kind of treatment to somebody that shouldn't get that kind of treatment because they've got them on video destroying property and attacking what's going to be a law enforcement training facility, which is obviously a clear message that they don't believe in uh, law enforcement. So, and by the way, they've been attacking this facility literally like since 2021 or something like that. People have literally camped out there for over a year. This is just a fiasco from the get-go. Uh, let's leave this topic in one second, but I want to get John Thayer's comment on this real quick, and then we'll introduce our guest. John? Well, let me say this. You know, one of the biggest problems we have across the country is this kind of bail nonsense. Uh, firstly, we don't have lawyers like me do not have a anything, you know, any observation you want to make at any crime scene exception. 
uh, you know, lawyers are under the same laws as everybody else. And if we participate in any way, you know, in, in a series of crimes, we should be treated like everybody else. On the other hand, you know, this is one of the problems. And you see this with a $5,000 know, bond, uh, you know, when everyone else doesn't even get anything. I mean, either everybody should get the $5,000 bond or nobody should. Uh, the rules as they apply, and not just from, from county to county, but state to state, you know, are, are, are just miserable. Uh, Arizona is one of the worst offenders, by the way. You know, Arizona in the cities, especially the city courts for misdemeanors, uh, not so much felony court, not so much superior court. They're actually pretty good with this. But you can commit, you can be accused of committing a felony in Maricopa County and be released on your own recognizance. You send a text message to somebody when there's a restraining order, and you can wind up with a literally a $100,000 bond uh, or $100,000 cash-only bond, meaning you can't get a, an actual bail bond. You actually have to put up the cash. And cities in, in Arizona use this to basically steal people's money do it le- and do it legally. There's, there's got to be kind of a uniform system and a uniform standard, certainly state to state, but even across the United States for how we treat crime. Otherwise, this just gets ridiculous, and it, and it just gets to be random, like it was here. Incredible. No doubt about it, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. That's what deep state attorneys get compared to the rest of us. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Be, be ready because it won't taste very good. Uh, Lance, you want to introduce our next guest? Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's an exciting story today, Sam. Uh, you know, obviously, John Thaler joining us, but Jacqueline Feinbrieger, the lead investigator for this national money laundering operation. Uh, she and John have disclosed it. It's a huge story. Jacqueline, welcome to Liberty Roundtable. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, Nance. Thank you so much um, for both of you for having me on the show. Jacqueline, let's talk about you personally. Give us a little thumbnail of who you are and how you got into all this. Uh, sure, Sam. I, um, I own an insurance agency, and um, as I said to the council, you know, the committee when I met with them, um, my background is I have, you know, I'm the, I have education in um, marketing strategy. I have an MBA in marketing strategy um, and, and research, and then I have an honors degree in um, statistics, economics, financial accounting, and business strategy. So, you know, when I met Mr. Thaler, he was actually helping me with my setting up my agency. Um, and he asked me if I could just take a look at some um, documents because um, he was researching insurance fraud. And so we began looking into those documents, and there, there just was not something not right with that and you know so um i started working with him and doing some of his research and three and a half years later i am now his, his primary investigator um so that's how you know that's how i got into this so john what got you on the insurance fraud that kind of started the whole ball of rolling here because at first uh, well, it didn't have anything to do with what we're discussing uh, eventually about the election integrity issues and, and the um, cartels. And it, when you dug in, you weren't expecting any of that, right? No, I'll actually tell you what started it for me, um, other than you know, the experiences that I've talked about in investigations. What started it for me was that when I was engaged, and everybody now knows you know, that Brittany Chavez and I were married, uh, we technically still are, which is a whole other ball of wax. Wait, wait, who who uh, are you married but- to? I was married. I was married to Brittany Chavez. Wow, one of, right. one that's of a the, piece that, that I didn't know. Go ahead, ma'am. Go ahead, <laughs> sir. 
what happened? What happened was we we met just following my completion of a, of an investigation in 2014. Uh, we have an age difference. Uh, she was a trial paralegal. Never occurred to me that she had any connection to anything I had been investigating. It just didn't didn't compute. And what happened was is that after we were engaged, we decided to sell our two respective homes, which were very small, and buy one together. And when we went, when I went to sell my home, there was a lien on my property from a default judgment that originated in California. Well, it turned out that this 2012 default judgment on a case filed originally in 2011 was filed against me by Brittany. She had falsified the documents, falsified the judgment, falsified the application for the judgment. Her handwriting is all over the documents. I had no idea. And so when I went to sell my home, all of a sudden, of course, the title company tells me there's a lien on my property. And I, I don't know what they're talking about. So they send me the case information, and I start looking up, up everything. Now, I didn't know her well enough, certainly, and I, certainly I didn't know her well enough, and I didn't know about this kind of thing well enough to realize that this was a fraud. But I knew that the documents that had been that allegedly were in California were falsified documents. That part was clear. Everything from proofs of service with falsified signatures on it to a judgment that is that didn't comport to California standards to a certification that didn't work. And that in 2014, literally one a month before Brittany and I met, this this judgment in California for about three thousand dollars, by the way, not for very much, for about three thousand dollars was taken to Arizona and, and lodged in the court in Arizona as what we call a sister state or foreign state judgment, one that could now be collected in Arizona. And, of course, the notarizations on those documents filed with the court belonged to Brittany. Of course, this was all unbeknownst to me. So the first thing that ever happened to me that was suspicious was that it would take me t almost two and a half years, uh, I guess, yeah, two and, a half, two and a half years or so, before it started to occur to me that maybe Brittany had actually been in charge of, of creating this judgment. You know, this is right, now so three let me, years let me stop you met. there for a second because i got to understand this. How did you meet her then? You're thinking it's a normal meeting, a normal woman, you marry her, it's great. Uh, but this was really more of a clandestine meeting somehow on her part then. This wasn't just an uh, unrelated happenstance, right? Correct. It was not an unrelated happenstance at all. She at least knew who I was, at least going back three years, and potentially, depending on some other documents that we're looking at, maybe a whole lot longer than that. So, yeah, I, I, how did we meet? We met because she was a trial paralegal at a firm called Andante Law Group. She had, she had acted in, I think, as a trial paralegal in something like 22 or 23 cases. Um, she was certainly break, a known please. quantity. Uh, you know, she was a known quantity in the in the in the industry. She you know, owned her own house. She taught paralegal studies, which we'll get to in a moment, because one of the things she taught was bankruptcy, not without me realizing she was also committing bankruptcy fraud at the same time. Uh, and, you know, I, I never thought much of it. So let me ask you this, then you you meet her because she's in the realm business wise with you. You date, you get married, you think it's all legitimate on her part. There was no legitimacy about it, was there? Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I would say this. I okay. certainly, the initial meeting was never intended for us to continue dating. Um, I think that for whatever the reason, because she had known me for as long as she had, she decided that she was going to see where the relationship went. And I think ultimately she decided she was going to be, she was going to hide behind it. 
you know, this was somebody, look, in all fairness to, to her, which, which I know a lot of people hate, but in fairness to her, she was not looking to commit crimes behind my back. She was looking to stop committing crimes behind my back. You know, this is somebody who was born into a family that was, you know, performing all sorts of criminal acts, had been in criminal enterprises for an awfully long time. She was born into this. And unfortunately, you know, when you're born into that, and anybody who, who does investigations at all uh, of anybody in organized crime will tell you, the worst part is that the children get into it, even if they don't want to, even if they try right. a different so life. Let me, let me they make sure I understand this. move up and become it. So she was hoping that you might be able to help her out of this? Yeah, she was hoping that she could, in essence, hide behind me, kind of the exact opposite, that she could hide behind me and that by doing so, she would be out of the business. She wanted a family. She wanted, you know, children. She wanted the normal trappings of, of being, you know, a wife and mother. Uh, and I think she saw in me a way she could do that. So it certainly wasn't, you know, your typical, you know, Chuck Woolery love connection. But I think that her motives along the way, you know, were not, were not so much to commit crime. It was to not commit crime. And it was basically, hey, I can find a love, I can have a family, and I can somehow maybe get out of this in a way that, then what happened? How did that, that change? Or how, well, how did that's that all... a great question. That's a, that's a great question. It started to change after she got pregnant. Uh, and I can't tell you why. Uh, all I can tell you is that, you know, things started happening. Checks started to be stolen. Uh, you know, checks started to be stolen and used to, to pay other people's bills, uh, other properties' bills. For example, I had a check stolen from, from one of my personal accounts, one of my separate property accounts, that was used to pay a water bill at a house in South, in South Phoenix. Um, who does that? I mean, if you're stealing my check, you're writing it for a big screen TV or something. But this was to pay off a water bill that was over a year overdue. Uh, we know because we subpoenaed the records from, from, you know, from the city of Phoenix and, and saw the bills, saw what was going on. Um, there were computer erasures. There was documents being erased from my computer. There were files being moved. I woke up one morning, just one morning, went to my computer system and found 110,000 files had been moved to the recycle bin overnight. Um, so there were weird things going on like this. And there were some things in her behavior that weren't quite normal. Um, then when McKinley was born, which was in December of 2017. Now, hold on. McKinley then, that, hold on. McKinley is your child together, right? Correct. McKinley is our child together. Okay. Uh, he was born on December 12, 2017. And shortly after that, a number of things started to go wrong. Things in her behavior, things in her demeanor. But the thing that happened that was then kind of the catalyst for all of this was that we were going to put together a trust for our child. You know, just the kind of thing that happens in case, you know, we're in a, an accident together or something like that. When I went to do that, you know, the Maricopa County system, you know, for recorder records for all, you know, deeds and documents like that is all computerized. So you can just sit at your computer, you know, put in somebody's name or put in your own name and call up your documents. And, of course, these are technically unofficial copies, but these are the ones that got scanned into the system. So I pull up the documents for us so I can put our house that we now have, our house into the trust. And I, but I ran, I just did it real quick. So I put in her name instead of my name to get the house pulled up. I just, just typed in her name real quick into the box. And what I got was not just our deed for our house or the deed documents for her previous house, you know, like I had had a previous house. Instead, what I got was a stream of deeds in her name going back about 10 years, not only with her, not only her name and her signature, clearly her, her handwriting on the deeds, but also 
her being married. To you or to somebody else? No. No, somebody else. I, we had deeds going back to 2010, 11, 12, before I ever met her, that I had understand. her name and another person's name as husband and wife on these deeds. Right. Now, let me, let me state this and, and tell me if I'm completely off base or this really matters. So she was married to somebody else. She knew that this would eventually come to your attention. She knew that eventually you would know this. But she's hoping that, hey, if she has your baby, then you might be willing for the love, for the baby, for your family, for, to say, okay, listen, we can back out of this. We can extract ourselves from this. And she was hanging on to you for the hope for that to happen, right? I would say that's exactly true. In fact, one of the strangest things that happened, it's not very strange, I, I think, in general, but strangest for us is that about five minutes after we were married, uh, she immediately wanted to get pregnant and, and actually you know, accused me of lying about having children. Just so you know, I've been previously married. Uh, unlike so, a couple of interestingly weird reports, I was married for 17 years. Uh, I have a 22-year-old son who's about to graduate from a major university and go off to law school. Um, so I had raised a child before. I had been in child rearing. I was I was my first son's primary caregiver uh, for most of his most of his uh, you know his you know child life. Um, you know we've had a, we've enjoyed a wonderful relationship. Um, so I think she saw that in me and thought that if she formed this family, we could somehow stay together no matter what. All right. So this uh, intention on her part. Um, is it because she was scared and wanted out or she wanted a different life? Uh, what stopped her? Do you think the drug cartels and, and, and uh, stopped her? Do you think she's just afraid that she'll die if she continues? What, what now created this separation of this, wait a minute, this isn't going to go forward like her hopes? Well, I th what happened, the first thing that happens is, you know, I see these documents. And the first thing I'm thinking is not drug cartel or organized crime. What I'm thinking is that, wait a minute, I, I think my wife may have lied to me about something rather significant. Um, but I didn't stop there, and I guess this is part of the investigator in me. I didn't stop there. So I started looking at more deeds involving family members of hers that I did know, you know, ones I had met, you know, certainly her mother, uh, her father, uh, who she's estranged from, and, and other members of the family. And what I found was more and more and more and more deeds that were clearly falsified. They had falsified notarizations on it. I could identify which family member acted as the notary person to sign it, you know, who wasn't really a notary. I could see that these all involved real property. I could see that there were things like, you know, home equity lines of credit and other things that didn't match the values of the home so that the, the lines of credit were significantly higher than the home values. I mean, things that very clearly told me pretty quickly that this was at least, if nothing else, a tax evasion scheme. And that's, frankly, at that point, what I thought was going on. I thought that, okay, maybe she wasn't previously married, but instead, you know, she and family members were avoiding taxes. That's what this was all about. And so they were, they were falsely buying and selling properties to take advantage of tax loopholes. They were falsifying deeds, et cetera. The problem was it got to the point, by the time we got into 2019, it got to the point where there were so many of these falsified deeds that it simply couldn't be just a within-family scheme. There was, it was not possible. There were so many false, false individuals, fan, what we call phantom individuals, people who didn't exist, uh, you know, who were on these deeds with their handwritings on them, that it just simply couldn't be that small of a series of crimes. And that was the problem. And then there were other things that went with this. 
you know, that's how we got to the insurance fraud. What brought us to the insurance fraud was that in running the names, the, phone, the falsified names of individuals on the deeds, we wound up finding a number of, of what are called AHCCCS liens, and that's Arizona Healthcare Cost Containment System liens. Um, I'll explain this real quick for people so that they understand. You know, most people, when they get into a car accident, they go to a doctor uh, or a chiropractor, and the chiropractor or doctor has them sign a lien document that says, your lawyer will pay us when you get your settlement. It's a very common thing to do. In Arizona, unlike other states, these documents, these liens that you sign with your doctor or your care provider, wind up getting recorded. The idea being is that if they're recorded, you won't skip out on the bill. So when your lawyer sends you the check for all the money you're supposed to get, you'll make sure to pay because otherwise there's a lien. And if you buy property or you do anything else, you know, that lien's going to come up. So it keeps you from, from skipping out on your doctor. That's what it's for. Well, what we then were finding was not only were the names of the falsified phantom individuals on these lien documents, but these lien documents led to other lien documents, which led to other lien documents, all falsified, to the point at this point in eight separate counties in the state of Arizona, we have nearly 25,000 of these falsified lien documents. So what's your status with Brittany now? Are you guys still married or divorced? Well, that's a good question, because one of the things that happened was uh, to try to keep us apart, a falsified petition for dissolution of marriage was filed in Maricopa County, leading to a falsified divorce decree. And it's falsified in the sense that the, the petitions in Arizona require the person who's you know, doing the petition, you know, the, the spouse who's doing the petition, to sign it. The signature on the petition is falsified. It's not Brittany's signature. The, the signature on the decree that was issued about a year later is not the judge's signature. That's the problem. So on paper, there's a decree, but the problem is it's a false decree. Do you still love her, and do you want to work something out with her, or no? No. Um, you know, this is kind of one of the fascinating things about this. You know, I, I certainly care about the mother of my child. And, you know, for all those people who say this is about, and I'll get to the custody battle thing here in a minute, but for people who say this is about a custody battle or it's about a messy divorce and stuff like that, no, it has nothing to do with this. In November, in November of 2019, after, you know, just a year of utter chaos over all this, including two attempts made on my life, as more and more of the racketeering schemes were becoming apparent, that included life insurance fraud, not just auto insurance fraud, it became payroll theft, it became bankruptcy fraud. When all these things started coming to light, you know, my life became in danger. And, you know, it, it finally got to the point where in November of 2019, Brittany came to me and she asked myself and one of my colleagues, somebody who's been involved in the investigation, you know, since 2019 with me, not, not just Ms. Breger, but someone else has been involved. She asked us if we could put her into federal witness protection. Because at that point, this all was collapsing around her. Obviously, I was discovering the, the magnitude of what she had been involved in. I think, in a sense, she was finally kind of realizing the magnitude of what she was involved in. And she wanted out. I mean, out, out. And in this case, WITSEC, Federal Witness Protection. Did she get it? No, because before we could make application for it. So let me explain something about Federal Witness Protection people don't understand. You don't get Federal Witness Protection just because somebody's after you or the mob is after you or organized crime is after you. It doesn't work that way. You, you, you essentially have to be a witness to something 
or be a participant in something. And you have to be in able other to words, provide you have useful to help with the takedown. You got to help with the takedown. And worse than that for some people is you have to come clean with the U.S. Attorney's Office about all of the crimes you've ever been involved in and who's been involved with the, in them with you. So rather than just getting safety from something, you basically, and of course in Brittany's case, she would have had to tell on her entire family. And ultimately, that was the part that became so difficult for her. It's one thing to say, hey, people are threatening me. I need protection. But if you have to go to the U.S. attorney and give evidence on every one of your family members, that's a burden that she just wasn't prepared at the time to bear. And is it because she cares about her family so much, or is it because she's afraid it's a death sentence? Is she a victim, a perpetrator, or both? Uh, well, she's both. Um, and, and, and I don't mean to make light of it or make excuses for it, because, you know, I, I think that what, what I have said, and I think what Ms. Brigger would say as well, is that, look, you know, my child got abducted in this, in violation of court orders, you know, real court orders involving custody. My child got abducted. I have not seen McKinley now for almost 29 months uh, because of this mess. And I've been threatened. If you want to see your child again, you will stop the investigation. You know, that's been a mantra uh, since 2020, uh, you know, he was supposed to be, we were supposed to make a custody exchange in 2020. She didn't make it. And, and after that, it was threat after threat after threat that if the investigation continued, I would never see my child again. Um, hey, hey, John, Brittany do you is, believe those threats yes. were from the Sinaloa cartel or do you think those were from uh, government officials, you know, uh, law enforcement that's also involved in this, uh, this money laundering corruption? Who do you think actually stemmed those or actually initiated those threats? Both, both, because at the time that we, the time that those threats were made, by the time McKinley was abducted, what happened was is that we were gaining more and more information on the city of Mesa, which at that point was where not only did Donna Chavez, her mother, live, but that's where Brittany Chavez now lived. After after our house was sold, that's where she went to live. So she was being protected, in, which is what she is today, in the city of Mesa by city officials who have been participants in the racketeering. Uh, and so I think she was getting it from all sides. She was certainly getting it from family members, for sure, who were telling her, you, you can't do this to us. And then she was getting it, for sure, from City of Mesa officials. And she was probably getting it, you know, at least to some degree, either directly or indirectly from cartel people, uh, probably from all of the above. Ladies and gentlemen, hour one in the can. I'm sorry I monopolized this interview. We're going to bring everybody into the mix next hour in much more detail. you got to understand, we're talking about the biggest criminal conspiracy in the history of America. We're talking about every aspect of life. We're talking about drug and trafficking cartels and a whole lot more. Folks, this is serious, serious business, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to dig in next hour with a lot more details. The plot thickens as we go. Be ready. Hour one in the can, hour two coming up. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. God save us all.